Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Take your Bibles, would you, and please open them to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to pick up in verse 8 there in a Bible study that I've entitled, Through the Lens of Faith, Not Fear. Because it's been many weeks now with the COVID-19 coronavirus traveling around the world, creating havoc wherever it arrives. It's created more worry, more panic, more fear and anxiety than just about any other time in human history. And you find that these, are, these emotions and feelings are at all-time high levels for believers and unbelievers alike. It's just the reality of the situation. So much outside of our control. So many changes pressed upon us. And in our response, we have a choice. We have a choice as we face them and they deal with them, to be productive with our decisions and our choices or to be destructive, to be productive or to be destructive. That's the choice before us. Now I know right in that moment, there are those that are watching going, wait a minute, Ed, because I know this because when I'm teaching, uh, it, I, I know that when I'm watching out and looking at the room, I can see it on your face. Although you may not speak up out loud, your countenance changes and there's either an agreement or there's a disagreement. And you go, wait a minute, Ed, what choices do I really have? Like, like this is the reality of my life. I, I just have to adjust and go with the flow. What choices do I really have? I, I mean, you don't understand the way it is. I mean, this is the way it is. I'm at home. And I'm out of work, and I'm frazzled, and I'm frustrated, and I'm angry, and I'm afraid, and that's just my reality. And you talk to me about choices, but so much is out of my control. Well, let me say traumatic events create those emotions. Because you have not only the things going on with the virus and staying at home, and you have the the things that have come recently, but you also have families that are grieving. You have emotions that are raw. You have minds that are numb. There's an increase, of course, for prayer and prayer for our leadership, prayer for our healthcare workers, prayers for those men and women on the front lines, friends and family. But then there's also depression. There's a loss of concentration, sleeplessness, again, anger, frustration, a stirring up of past emotions and past memories, a, a stirring up of PTSD. And they're all very normal. And so it is your reality. And it's my reality. And with the reality that God has allowed us to be a part of, we have a choice. And our choices can either be productive or destructive, but there really isn't a third option. It's important to know that if these things are yours, and by the way, you know, not only are these things yours, but they can be made worse if you're watching the 24-hour news cycle. Because that just seems to be one bad news and one bad fearful thing. And what about this? And oh, they found that. And how careful we need to be. If you are feeling these things, these feelings are normal. They're normal for a normal person that's living in an abnormal situation like you and like me. Because we are living in a time with this sense of powerlessness where 
things are very much out of our control. I can't control this. You can't control this. Only God can control this. And he is on the throne. Traumatic events have a way of gripping people's hearts quickly and holding tightly their minds and their focus. Getting us disoriented, stumbling you, knocking you off balance. You know, something's just missing, but you can't put your finger on it. And it's common to be absorbed by paralyzing fear. Fears being placed in a fear of all, all sorts of things, of getting sick, of a spouse getting sick, fear that we'll never get out of this, just struggling all the way around, just struggling to get out of your house. But friends, not all is lost. Fear not. There is comfort and courage, protection and peace found by faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to this encouraging passage. I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation, but it's in Isaiah chapter 43. The reason I chose the NLT on this is because it's such a familiar passage. I want, to he- I want you to hear it and let it, let it be set in your mind a little bit differently. Listen, Isaiah 43 verse 2, it says, When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. And when you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. In Isaiah 43 verse 5 in the New King James, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. And so as you're facing the challenges and as you're walking through them and as you're waking up to even a new reality, it seems like every day or every week, as we consider and think over this whole situation, while we recognize and admit that we're living in unprecedented times, we need to remember we have God's word. We have God's word. His word speaks directly to our hearts and our minds. The Bible is God's love letter to us. We have his sure and steadfast truth that's unchangeable. God's word to us provides an anchor for our souls. You know, as everything's going around and the storms of life are hitting, we're just anchored down in the root of God's word. It provides security of an abiding hope for us and inspires us a deeper, unshakable faith in the creator and sustainer of all things. You know, I was thinking even in the context of our study today, that if there was ever an important time for you to get serious about reading your Bible and praying every day, it's now. Like I know that's a continual thing we share all the time. Read and pray, read and pray. Every first of the month, we actually hand you a card when you come to church in the first of the month. It's your read and pray. And on one side, there's a reading list. And on the other side, there are prayer requests that are directly related to our church. And, we want, and on the back are memory verses. So you're reading the Bible, getting the Bible in. You're praying for the missionaries. You're praying for your pastors. You're praying for your community. Like read and pray every day. And, and we know that one of the greatest challenges for a believer in this day and age is to have a regular habit of reading and praying every day. But if there was ever a time to have the word of God in prayer, it's now. And it really, you don't have to follow our reading plan. Uh, If you download that free Bible app on your iPad, on your tablet, it's called the version. Y-O-U version, spell it all out. It's the most popular Bible app on your app store. And they have dozens upon dozens, if not hundreds, I haven't counted them all, of reading plans there. 
And God wants to speak to you in your moment, in the daily time of saying, God, I, you know, you wake up in the morning, you go, God, I don't know what today's going to bring. I don't know what new news is there. I don't want to know what challenges, but I want you to speak. I want to hear from you, God. I want to hear from you. I, I want to receive from you. And, and so we have God's word. And it doesn't matter where we're at. It doesn't matter what part of the scripture we're in. Even if you're in one of those parts of the scripture where you read all four chapters and you don't understand anything that you read. Or you read all four chapters and three and a half of them were genealogies. That the point is that you presented yourself to God. And let me just say about the genealogies. You go, well, yeah, Ed, I, I read the genealogies. What's the, what's the big deal about them? Well, there's a couple of things you can learn about genealogies. Number one, God cares about people individually. Number two, God keeps track of families. Number three, that the genealogies for the Jewish mind were so important because it kept the lineage pure for the coming Messiah. And then finally, and there's a lot of applications, but whenever you come across a genealogy, just remember this. If your name was in the Bible, it would be a very important genealogy to you because you're important to God. So it doesn't matter where you are in the Bible. You have God's word that will speak life into you. Life. Not only do we have the written word, but we also have the living word, Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And greater still, we have him, God in human flesh, who willingly surrendered his privileged status in heaven to come in the likeness of you and me. He lived for you, died for you, and rose again so that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, the Bible says, one believes unto, sal unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. So today, once again, in the midst of this crisis, we're rearranging where we are in the Bible to allow the Bible to speak to these places in our hearts that now six weeks into this, we're dealing with these two things of faith and fear, faith and fear. And this is one of my most favorite passages in all the Bible because it reminds me that although there's a greater reality than what I see and experience, that God wants to reveal to me himself the true spiritual reality behind every situation. And I'm so encouraged by this in the, this situation in the life of Elisha and his servant. So pick up with me in verse 8, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. And let's get some context of this very exciting part of Scripture. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he took counsel with his servants saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore, verse 11, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak even in your bedroom. And so in this time of uncertainty, in this time of pain and fear, in this time of frustration and anger, in this time of uncertainty, 
we turn to the word of God and we come to a time in the life of Elisha that's very exciting. And again, it's a scene of war with the king of Syria. This is a real military battle, a real, real war. Because the king of Syria has waged war against the people of Israel. And part of that war, part of his strategy, was setting up various ambushes throughout the land to capture his enemies. But every time he set up an ambush, every time he set his people up, Israel avoided it every time. So the king is upset and he calls his leaders. He says, who is it that's betraying us? Who's the betrayer among us? And the answer was, no, 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 there's no betrayer among us, king. It's that guy, Elisha. He is so in tune with God that he can tell what you say privately and secretly, even in your bedroom. And with that, we have the answer in verse 13. This is how the king of Syria responds. So the king, he said, go and see where he, Elisha, is, that I might send and get him. And it was told him, saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. Now I want you to mark those words. He sent horses and chariots and a great army to go get one man. He, and now of course there's most likely fortifying. He doesn't know what he's going into. But basically he's got one guy he's after and he sends a massive amount of people, a great army. Just circle that because you're in a great warfare. You think sometimes, you know, I'm just one guy. I'm just one gal. Why is everything so hard? Why is it so difficult? Why does it always seem to be more harder for me and more Listen, there is a great spiritual battle and warfare in your life. It's great. The enemy's going after you with great forces and great difficulties. And it's just the way it is in your life and in mine. And one of the mistakes we make, friend, is that we compare our lives to other people. We compare our lives to other people and we think, well, what I'm going through is not what they're going through. But hey, the problem is this. What they're going through is huge for them. It's massive. And so to compare what you're going through, compare, you know, those guys have an easy life. It's probably not as easy as you think because they have their own battles and their own struggles and their own great army. And so circle that because it's not just any army. It's not just a few people. This is just one guy and you're just one guy and you're just one gal, but there's a great warfare for your strength and your vitality. There's an ongoing battle for you to fulfill the call of God upon your life, to steady on, to not quit, to not turn back. It's a great army. And so mark it, circle it, don't forget it. It's an ongoing, crazy, continual battle in our lives. Now this week, part of my week is I was recording a series of videos for our chapels here with the kids at Calvary Christian Academy. And so I decided, I felt like the Lord wanted me to take those kids through the life of Gideon. And, and I found myself saying this many times, uh, just in my normal teaching to the kids, okay, hey, okay, mark this in your Bible. And then I would pause and say, wait, 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 ask your parents first if it's okay, because I know some parents don't want their kids writing in the Bible. And, and so I found myself pausing. But, but if you're a parent right now and your kids asked you that, I just want you to know it's okay to write in your Bible. 
Uh, it's okay to circle and to star and to write an arrow and to underline so that when you're reading again, you go, oh, I remember that. I remember there's a great battle for my life. I know, I remember that the enemy sends great forces against me as he wants to destroy me. And here they are, a great army came. So I just want to, it's okay to write in your Bibles. It might be uncomfortable for you, but even as I look at my Bible, I've got 29 years of notes here and so encouraging to remember what I've learned in the past. So this great army sent by, by the king to go get Elisha, they come by night. The enemy always loves to work in the dark, always loves to do things in hiding. That's why the Bible says in 1 John, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and what? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The best place to be is just to have it all, everything out on the table, in the light, living a life of righteousness, not a life of darkness and things that need to be hot, hidden and not seen. Like just to have open, authentic lives. So here he is, a great army comes at night to take Elisha and the city surrounded and Elisha's trapped. Notice in verse 15, when the servant of the man of God, so Elisha's servant or helper, or even some say his right-hand guy, when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? So Elisha's helper wakes up in the morning, goes to bed one night, wakes up in the morning, everything's changed. He is surrounded by this great army of horses and chariots. The king of Syria has found them. And you, that word alas could also be translated shocked. Like he's like, out of, what is going on? What's happening? Where, what are we supposed to do? Is his question to Elisha. He's shocked and deeply afraid by what he sees. Why? Because he currently can only see the physical. And that's how we are with this whole virus and coronavirus, COVID-19. All we can see is the physical. We can't even, you know, without a microscope or anything, we, we can't even see the virus. It's invisible. All we can see is the effects. And all we can feel are the effects. And, and some of what we're going through this unprecedented time has stunned us and shocked us. And we're, we're just wondering what is going on. How will we, what, what shall we do is the question that's being asked today. And it's a question out of fear. It's a question of just uh, uh, analyzing and assessing what we see and what we feel and asking a question. I think it's a good question to ask. I think whenever we're faced with trial and difficulty, whenever we're faced with overwhelming feelings that we consult men that we trust in our lives or women that we trust in our lives that are in tune with God. We want somebody in our lives that, that is so close to God that they know the secrets that God knows, that they can reveal stuff that you say secretly, that, that they, like the New Testament describes, walking in that, that gifting of discernment that can see behind the physical to understand the spiritual reality of what's happening because we just get stuck on the physical. And, and for good reason, we live in the physical. We live in the physical plane of life. And so we get stuck there. And we forget that there is a real spiritual reality. That this is not only the response of fear, but it's also the response of a person living without the consciousness of God. Or, or just saying this, forgetting about the sovereignty of God. 
And, and that could just be because you're overwhelmed. And, and I don't mean you, know, you become an unbeliever. I don't mean you lose your salvation. I, I mean that you have just forgotten the presence of God in your life, inside, with you, promised to never leave or forsake you. And so you measure all that's going on and forget that God is with you. You forget. And, and believe me, it is easy to forget that God is working all things together for the good. Even if it's not presently good, even if the situation isn't good at all, God is working all those things together. You forget the consciousness of God because when you forget the consciousness of God and you lack that, then you forget the word of God. Then when you forget the word of God, you just kind of fill in the blanks yourself. And then you start to measure your difficulty by your own resources. And then that's really scary. And that's really difficult because your resources are empty. You're bankrupt. You have nothing to offer God. And so that makes it even worse. We need to remember not only the presence of God and the word of God, but also the spiritual realm behind the physical. The spiritual realm, realm is very real. We live in the physical realm and we get involved in the day-to-day -day life that we often lose sight of the spiritual realm. The enemy Elisha's servant needed to fear was not the army of Syria, but rather the hidden terrible army of the demonic realm. You know, the spirit lusting against the flesh and the demonic realm lusting and fighting against the spiritual life and progress in you and me. In that spiritual realm lies a spiritual enemy. We know him commonly as the devil. And it's unfortunate but true, but many fully, haven't fully grasped the reality of the spiritual enemy in their lives. Hold your places in 2 Kings. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Because to the church in Ephesus, the Holy Spirit writes through Paul a reminder of the spiritual realm. The, the, the reminder of the battle that we're really in. You see, even in the current condition that we're in right now, the battle that we're in is spiritual, it's not physical. It is a battle of the mind. As I mentioned earlier, the where we make our choices, how we make our choices, how we'll trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not on our own understanding, acknowledging him in all our ways, and he'll direct our paths, how we'll submit to him, how we'll present ourselves to him, how we'll choose to obey instead of freaking out and, and just losing it. Listen, this is a time where the, the more we find ourselves at home and the more freedoms that are lost and the more issues that come up, the more things are going to be surfaced in your life. The more battles that have been raging, that have been hidden, that are going to be revealed. I've mentioned this before. I'll keep mentioning it. I will probably keep it open now from now on. But we have a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week texting prayer line open here. Where you could take your phone and you can text us your prayer request at this number. It's 720-336-0897. Area code 720-336-0897. And there, anytime, day or night, you can text us your prayer request, and I get to see them, I get to pray over them, and then I pass them on to Pastor Avan and the prayer team, and they pray over them. And I've been watching these prayer requests over the last six weeks, and how they've changed, and how they've become more serious and more difficult. 
whether it's pornography being revealed, whether it is uh, you know, just anxiousness and worry. Uh, and then recently, we've seen more hopelessness and we've seen more suicide, thoughts of suicide come through. And, and it's, it's challenging because it's a battle in the spiritual realm. It's, it's behind the scenes. Listen, this is what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6. It says uh, in verse 10, the battle is for your mind behind the scenes. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Say that with me. Finally, my brethren, say this with me. Be strong in the Lord. We can't be strong in ourselves. We can't just get through this and we'll make it through. No, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. He just calls them straight out. The schemes you face originate in the, the demonic realm. And so he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And check this out. All of this was given to Paul while he was in captivity. Or you could say, we, I say captivity, he was in prison. He was on confinement. It says, I'm an ambassador in change, chains that I... In it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He was in chains, but the gospel wasn't chained. And here we are with so great restrictions on us, but the gospel's not chained. God is, not, God is still using us. God is wanting to use us. And the enemy that Elisha's servant needed to see was not the army of Syria. It was the spiritual battle behind the scenes. The, the devil and his demonic realm Jesus said he doesn't come except to steal and to kill and to destroy and Jesus said I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly the goal of the enemy is to defeat you to discourage you to depress you ultimately to destroy your faith to take you out of the race to take you out of God's will and call for your life and like many, what the young man needed was further revelation, a deeper insight. So notice what Elisha's answer is in verse 16. He answered, do not fear. Now we know, alas, that response, shock and utter amazement is rooted in fear because Elisha's answer to him was, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. For those who are with us 
are more than those who are with them. Now you have to put yourself in the servant's shoes. Like, like what do you mean more with us? It's you and me, bro. Like we're surrounded by an army. It's just you and me. And, and it, even though the text doesn't, text doesn't say that, I, I wonder if the servant just looked around and going, what are you talking about? And yet God is about to reveal to this man a greater force that's unseen. Greater than what's seen, what's felt. He says, hey, those that are with us are greater. They're more. We have God on our side. Elisha answers with courage and strength. He sees something that the young man couldn't see yet. He was exposed to the truth that the army of Syria, as many people that were sent, is surrounded by an army themselves. And they just don't know it yet. There was more power in the spiritual realm than what was seen in the physical realm. And in the situation we're in right now, there is more power, more help, more solutions in the spiritual realm than what we can see or feel or experience in the physical. Do not fear is God's word to you in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis. Do not fear. That's the word of the Lord to us. Don't be afraid. God is with us. Angels surrounding us. His strength available to us. And you know, the word of God is a great comfort. What God is doing with Elisha and his servant here, he does with us. The word of God is a great comfort to us and a great encouragement to us in the midst of all the pundits and the commentators and the opinions and the conspiracy theories and all the things that are going, how we need the word of God. The word of God that the Bible says in Psalm 119 verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 12 verse six, the words of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in a furnace. Psalm 18, verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. And so what does the Bible say? Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. The Bible says, for we know that God is working all things together for the good, for those that love God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 35, that who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 20, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We know with surety, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that he who began, being confident of this very thing, he who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. These are things we need to hear and be reminded of day after day, especially as this thing drags on and drags on, it does not undo the word of God. Decisions are being made for us. So many decisions and, and things are happening that are outside of our control, but God is in control and God is on the throne and that hasn't changed. We need to acknowledge the spiritual forces to see and to recognize the power of God behind the scenes. That we might be surrounded and we might be our backs against the wall and we might be thrown into a fiery furnace and we might be in a lion's den and we might be surrounded by 
armies of difficulties and great challenges and great issues, but there is a reality behind the scenes. So not only does Elisha give a word, but he also prays a prayer. Notice in verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he might see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Lord, open our eyes. I'm telling you, this is a prayer of mine in my life. I face so many things in the physical realm. I have to, to, to live so much in the physical realm. There's things in my life right now where I'm asking God, show me what's happening in the spiritual realm, Lord. Give me insight. I pray for the gift of discernment. I want to have the discerning of spirits. I can't tell you how many times God has not done that in my life where I just didn't see the spiritual realm and I made up my mind in the physical realm. And I say, no, Lord, I want to be patient and enduring because when I see what you see, I won't just see the problem, I'll also see the solution. When I see, God, what you see, I'm comforted and encouraged by your protection, by your power. When I see what you see, then yeah, there's difficulty, but you're greater than the difficulty. When I see what you see, God, yeah, there's a scary, fearful situation, but I'm encouraged by you. Remember what happened with Joshua? Joshua was told, be strong and of good courage. Everywhere the sole of your feet touches, I have given you, God said to him, to remind him of his presence. Elisha prayed and God answered that prayer. Knowing what he knew, seeing what he saw, he prays. Man, my servant needs to see what I see. And he prays for him. And then almost immediately his eyes were open. Not only did he see the problem, but he saw the solution. In a moment, in an instant of time, things were changed for Elisha. The same is true for us. In a moment and an instant of time, God can change our perspective. And God can give us a peace that passes all understanding. But let me just warn you, because this is a big problem that we face. Elisha's servant, he was given a peace. He, now he got to see everything that he saw. And, and now he's confident. And now he knows things are going to be okay. There's a greater army. Now I see in the spiritual realm. But it would be easy for the next situation to come and just rob that peace. And now I'm not peaceful anymore. And here's the warning. Here's the problem. See, see, God, when we pray, answers our prayers, and he gives us that peace, right? Because the Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication, make our request be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And God will answer that prayer. You take your anxieties to him, praying with supplication and thanksgiving, God will honor that prayer right away with a peace that passes understanding. But then it, the peace is robbed. And they go, oh, well, you know, God didn't answer my prayer. And that you would rather to choose to live in, in a restlessness than to live in peace. Because when our prayers, and, and I've certainly had this prayer before, I pray like this, God, uh, would you give me a peace? Just give me a peace in this situation. And what I'm thinking is, I want a peace for the whole time. I want a peace now, I want that peace tomorrow, and, and throughout the week. But what God is doing through times like this is teaching us something that we may or may not already know, and that is this. He is wanting us to come to him all the time. That he is answering our prayers for peace right now. That the life of the believer is an abiding life, 
moment by moment. And it's not a peace that's going to last for 30 years. It's a peace for the moment. It's a revelation for now. It's a, and you can see going back in many different difficulties you face, many different problems. You know, you think about, well, what was I worrying about 10 years ago? I really don't remember unless I look at my journal. And I don't even know if I was journaling back then. But I can tell you this. I'm not worrying about it anymore because God took care of it. And, and I don't need the peace from 10 years ago. I need a peace today. I need a peace to what I'm going to face today. What it is moment by moment that that, that peace is a sustaining peace. That it passes my understanding. I know my whole world's falling apart. I know everything's going, but I, I trust God. Why? Because I know there's a spiritual realm. And my battles are not flesh and blood. I'm also being reminded day by day that this earth is not my home. We learned that with Abraham. Abraham lived a, his life in such a way where he went from place to place. Set up his tent, moved on. Set up his tent, moved on. Set up his tent, moved on. Why? Because we learn in Hebrews that the life of Abraham was he was looking forward to that city whose builder and maker is God. He had an eternal perspective. Abraham lived in a very real way with the daily consciousness of God. Again, not a perfect man, but a man that loved God. And again, you're not a perfect woman. You're not a perfect man. I'm not a perfect person. But I want to live with that consciousness of God. Today we're worried and we're concerned and we're anxious. We're surrounded by a great army. And at the same time, God has opened our eyes and given us a peace for today. And as you read the rest of the chapter, you see in verse 18 that the Syrians came down and Elisha prayed again to the Lord, strike them with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And then he, Elisha said, this isn't the way, this is follow me. And he takes him out. And there is great victory in God's faithfulness. He says in verse 20, when they came to Samaria, Lord, open these eyes that they might see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And there they were inside Samaria. And the king of Israel saw them. And he said, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? And he answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared a great feast for them. After they ate and drank, he sent them away and they went to their master so that the bands of Syrian raiders came no more to the land of Israel. Even God showed mercy on the enemies. God was gracious and merciful. And yet at the same time, he protected Elisha and his servant. Why? Because God, he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for sinners like you and me. And today you're worried and concerned. You're wondering how it's going to end. You're wondering if it'll ever be solved. And the Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. It's a done deal. It's a settled situation. God is on the throne. And may God open your eyes to not just see the mounting problems, but also see the momentous solution. That faith sees what the person without faith never sees. God's power, God's faithfulness, God's strength, God's solution. And so we have the model. The word of God and prayer brings about truth into the spiritual realm. That God is our protection and our security and our peace. And he's bigger than this virus. God is bigger than the coronavirus. He's bigger than the stay-at-home orders. He is God on the throne. And remember, 
All throughout history, all throughout biblical history, God has used the governments of man to bring about his purposes on the earth. This is not new. And as we long to gather together again, we long to have a sense of normalcy again, may the Lord develop in us a longing to have more of him, a deeper relationship, a deeper worship experience, that we know what it's like to long and to want. And so let that longing be for him, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So Father, we're asking you to comfort us with the lens of faith, that our eyes might be open to the spiritual reality around us. We're surrounded with great difficulty and challenges. And we're surrounded by situations that are beyond our control. And you compound that with fears and anxieties and being overwhelmed and being backed into a corner and on and on that list goes. It's just a recipe for disaster. So we submit to you, Lord, these Uh, physical things that are troubling us, that are disrupting our faith. We have a lot of situations we don't have control over. And this whole coronavirus thing has just made it worse. So we're learning to come to you moment by moment, day by day. Just like the children of Israel, they, they had to come to you for daily manna. It was a daily provision. You, Jesus, taught us to pray for our daily bread. And there's that moment-by-moment dependence where we trust you with our lives. And maybe you're watching, listening in. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never trusted him at all. Well, today I'd like to invite you to follow Jesus with your life. I'd like to invite you to respond to the sense of what you're feeling right now. Let me put Bible words for it. What you're feeling right now is called the conviction of sin. God is bringing an awareness to you of your separation. He's bringing an awareness to you of how your life is not being lived to honor God. And at the same time with that awareness and that sense of, you know, I have failed God, he's also bringing an invitation to you. He, it's really neat because the Bible says that it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Repentance is a Bible word, but the Bible word is great significance. It means to turn away. And so today, you want to turn away from your sin. That those things that are destroying you, those things that are destroying those that you love and love you, and the, those things and behaviors and attitudes and things that are destroying your relationship with God. The, you do not, listen, this, you do not want to die in your sin. But instead, you want your sins forgiven. I remember walking into a church very similar to this. It wasn't online back then. I was invited to hear a message similar to what I shared with you today. A guy getting up and teaching a Bible study. And he began to talk to me about the love of God. Really, he talked to us. The whole room was filled with thousands of people. And he began to talk to us about the love of God and the goodness of God. And, and I had my doubts. I didn't really doubt that God could be good. I just doubted that his love was for me. Because I knew how bad I was. I knew how difficult of, I knew, the, I knew how far I was from God. And I just doubted that he would love somebody like me. And I wonder if there are those listening to me right now that you know how bad you are. You don't need some pastor to tell you that. You know. But maybe you've come to the wrong conclusion. You know that you've sinned against God, but you think there's no hope for you. There is hope for you. 
there's help for you. We live in a generation of hope. It's available to you today if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And so if you want to respond to that invitation, I want to help you do that. You can ask God. You can say it with your mouth. You can pray to God. You could say something like this. Dear God, I admit that I've sinned against you and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to live for me, to die for me, And I believe Jesus rose again from the dead and is alive right now to forgive me of my sin. And I'm asking for your help, God, to turn away from my sinful past and to live my life and follow you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.